Chapter Two of the Titan of Chasms by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Scientific Explorer by J. W. Powell, The Ives and Wheeler Expeditions. In the fall of 1857, Lieutenant Ives of the Engineer Corps of the Army ascended the Colorado River on a trip of exploration with a little steamer called the Explorer. He went as far as the mouth of the Rio Virgin. Falling back down river a few miles, Lieutenant Ives met a pack train which had followed him up the bank of the stream. Here he disembarked and on the 24th of March started with a land party to explore the eastern bank of the river making a long detour he ascended the plateau through which the grand canyon is cut and in an adventurous journey he obtained views of the canyon along its lower course on this trip j s newbury was the geologist and to him we are indebted for the first geological explanation of the canyon and the description of the high plateau through which it is formed Dr. Newbury was not only an able geologist, but he was also a graphic writer, and his description of the canyon as far as it was seen by him is a classic in geology. In 1869, Lieutenant Wheeler was sent out by the chief engineer of the Army to explore the Grand Canyon from below. In the spring, he succeeded in reaching the mouth of Diamond Creek, which had previously been seen by Dr. Newbury in 1858. Mr. Gilbert was the geologist of this expedition, and his studies of the canyon region during this and subsequent years have added greatly to our knowledge of this land of wonders. Major Powell's Several Trips In this same year I essayed to explore the Grand Canyon of the Colorado, together with the upper canyons of that stream, and the great canyons of the lower portion of Green River. For this purpose I employed four rowboats and made the descent from what is now Green River Station through the whole course of canyons to the mouth of the Rio Virgin, a distance of more than a thousand miles. In the spring of 1870 I again started with three boats and descended the river to the crossing of the Fathers, where I met a pack train and went out with a party of men to explore ways down into the canyon from the north, and devoted the summer, fall, winter, and following spring to this undertaking. In the summer of 1871, I returned to the rowboats and descended through the Marble Canyon to the Grand Canyon of Arizona, and then through the greater part of the Grand Canyon itself, subsequent years were then given to exploration of the country adjacent to the grand canyon on these trips mr gilbert the geologist who had been with lieutenant wheeler and captain c e dutton were my geological companions on the second boat trip and during all the subsequent years of exploration in this region professor a h thompson was my geographical companion assisted by a number of topographical engineers in eighteen eighty two mr c d walcott as my assistant in the united states geological survey went with me into the depths of the grand canyon we descended from the summit of the kaibab plateau on the north by a trail 
which we built down a side canyon in a direction toward the mouth of the little colorado river the descent was made in the fall and a small party of men was left with mr walcott in this region of stupendous depths to make a study of the geology of an important region of labyrinthine gorges here with his party he was shut up for the winter for it was known when we left him that snows on the summit of the plateau would prevent his return to the upper region before the sun should melt them the next spring mr walcott is now the director of the united states geological survey after this year i made no substantial additions to my geologic and scenic knowledge of the grand canyon though i afterwards studied the archaeology to the south and east throughout a wide region of ruined pueblos and cliff dwellings since my first trip in boats many others have essayed to follow me and year by year such expeditions have met with disaster some hardy adventurers are buried on the banks of the green and the graves of others are scattered at intervals along the course of the colorado in eighteen eighty nine the brave f m brown lost his life but finally a party of railroad engineers led by r b stanton started at the head of marble canyon and made their way down the river as they extended a survey for a railroad along its course other adventurous travelers have visited portions of the grand canyon region and mr g horton james has extended his travels widely over the region in the interest of popular science and the new literature created in the last decade of the nineteenth century and now i once more return to a reminiscent account of the grand canyon for old men love to talk of the past the plateau region the grand canyon of arizona and the marble canyon constitute one great gorge carved by a mighty river through a high plateau on the northeast and north a line of cliffs face this plateau by a bold escarpment of rock climb these cliffs and you must ascend from eight hundred to a thousand feet but on their summit you will stand upon a plateau stretching away to the north now turn to face the south and you will overlook the cliff and what appears to be a valley below from the foot of the cliff the country rises to the south to a great plateau through which the marble and the grand canyons are carved this plateau terminates abruptly on the west by the grand wash cliffs which is a high escarpment caused by a fault as the geologist calls it that is the strata of sandstone and limestone are broken off and to the west of the fracture they are dropped down several thousand feet so that standing upon the edge of the plateau above the grand wash cliffs you may look off to the west over a vast region of desert from which low volcanic mountains rise that seem like purple mounds in sand-clad lands on the east the great plateau breaks down in a very irregular way into the valley of the little colorado and where the railroad ascends the plateau from the east it passes over picturesque canyons that run down into the little colorado on the south the plateau is merged into the great system of mountains that stand in southern arizona 
where the plateau ends and the mountains begin is not a well-defined line the plateau through which the grand canyon is cut is a region of great scenic interest its surface is from six to more than eight thousand feet above the level of the sea the grand plateau is composed of many subsidiary plateaus each one having its own peculiar and interesting feature the kaibab plateau to the northeast of the grand canyon is covered with a pine forest which is intercepted by a few meadows with here and there a pond or lakelet it is the home of deer and bear to the west is the shinumo plateau in which the shinumo canyon is carved on the cliffs of the canyon and in the narrow valley along its course the shinumo ruins are found the relics of a prehistoric race to the west of the shinumo plateau is the kanab plateau with ruins scattered over it and on its northern border the beautiful mormon town of kanab is found and the canyon of kanab creek separates the shinumo plateau from the kanab plateau it begins as a shallow gorge and gradually increases in depth until it reaches the colorado river itself at a depth of more than four thousand feet below the surface vast amphitheaters are found in its walls and titanic pinnacles rise from its depths one christmas day i waded up this creek it was one of the most delightful walks of my life from a land of flowers to a land of snow to the west of the Kanab Plateau are the Wincaret Mountains, an immense group of volcanic cones upon a plateau. Some of these cones stand very near the brink of the Grand Canyon, and from one of them a flood of basalt was poured into the canyon itself. Not long ago geologically, but rather long when reckoned in years of human history, this flood of lava rolled down the canyon for more than fifty miles, filling it to the depth of two or three hundred feet and diverting the course of the river against one of the other of its banks. Many of the cones are of red cinder, while sometimes the lava is piled up into huge mountains which are covered with forest. To the west of the Winkeret Mountains spreads the Great Shivitz Plateau, crowned by Mount Delimbo. Past the south end of these plateaus runs the Colorado River. Southward through Marble Canyon and in the Grand Canyon, then northwestward past the Kaibab and Shinumo Canyon, then southwestward past the Kanab Plateau, Eucharet Mountains to the southernmost point of the Shiwitz Plateau, and then northwestward to the Grand Wash Cliffs. Its distance in this course is little more than 300 miles, but the 300 miles of river are set on every side with cliffs, buttes, towers, pinnacles, amphitheaters, caves, and terraces, exquisitely storm-carved and painted in an endless variety of colors. The plateau to the south of the Grand Canyon, which we need not describe in parts, is largely covered with a gigantic forest. There are many volcanic mountains and many treeless valleys. In the high forest there are beautiful glades with little stretches of meadow which are spread in summer with a parterre of flowers of many colors. This upper region is the garden of the world. 
when i was first there bear deer antelope and wild turkeys abounded but now they are becoming scarce widely scattered throughout the plateau are small canyons each one a few miles in length and a few hundred feet in depth throughout their course cliff-dweller ruins are found in the highland glades and along the valley pueblo ruins are widely scattered but the strangest sights of all the things due to prehistoric man are the cave dwellings that are dug in the tops of cinder cones and the villages that were built in the caves of volcanic cliffs if now i have succeeded in creating a picture of the plateau i will attempt a brief description of the canyon marble canyon above the paria the great river runs down a canyon which it has cut through one plateau on its way it flows with comparative quiet through beautiful scenery with glens that are vast amphitheatres which often overhang great springs and ponds of water deeply embosomed in the cliffs from the southern escarpment of this plateau the great colorado plateau rises by a comparatively gentle acclivity and marble canyon starts with walls but a few score feet in height until they reach an altitude of about five thousand feet on the way the channel is cut into beds of rock of lower geologic horizon or greater geologic age these rocks are sandstones and limestones some beds are very hard others are soft and friable the friable rocks wash out and the harder rocks remain projecting from the walls so that every wall presents a set of stony shelves these shelves rise along the wall toward the south as new shelves set in from below in addition to this shelving structure the walls are terraced and the cliffs of the canyon are set back one upon the other then these canyon walls are interrupted by side streams which themselves have carved lateral canyons some small others large but all deep in these side gorges the scenery is varied and picturesque deep clefts are seen here and there as you descend the river clefts furnished with little streams along which mosses and other plants grow at low water the floor of the great canyon is more or less exposed and where it flows over limestone rocks beautiful marbles are seen in many colors saffron pink and blue prevail sometimes a facade or wall appears rising vertically from the water for thousands of feet at last the canyon abruptly ends in a confusion of hills beyond which rise towering cliffs and the group of hills are nestled in the bottom of a valley-like region which is surrounded by cliffs more than a mile in altitude the grand canyon from here on for many miles the whole character of the canyon changes first a dike appears this is a wall of black basalt crossing the river it is of lava thrust up from below through a huge crevice broken in the rock by earthquake agency on the east the little colorado comes here it is a river of salt water and it derives its salt a few miles up the stream the main colorado flows along the eastern and southern wall climbing this for a few hundred feet you may look off toward the northwest 
and gaze at the cliffs of the Kaibab Plateau. This is the point where we built a trail down a side canyon where Mr. Walcott was to make his winter residence and study of the region. It is very complicated and exhibits a vast series of unconformable rocks of high antiquity. These lower rocks are of many colors. In large part, they are shales. The region, which appears to be composed of bright-colored hills washed naked by the rain, is, in fact, beset with a multitude of winding canyons with their own precipitous walls. It is a region of many canyons in the depths of the Grand Canyon itself. In this beautiful region, Mr. Walcott, reading the Book of Geology, lived in a summerland during all of a long winter while the cliffs above were covered with snow which prevented his egress to the world his companions three young mormons longing for a higher degree of civilization gazed wistfully at the snow-clad barriers by which they were enclosed one was a draughtsman another a herder of his stock and the third his cook they afterward told me that it was a long winter of homesickness and that months dragged away as years but mr walcott himself had the great book of geology to read and to him it was a winter of delight a half dozen miles below the basaltic wall the river enters a channel carved in eight hundred or a thousand feet of dark gneiss of very hard rock here the channel is narrow and very swift and beset with rapids and falls on the south and southwest the wall rises abruptly from the water to the summit of the plateau for about six thousand feet but across the river on the north and west mountains of gneiss and quartzites appear sometimes rising to the height of a thousand feet these are mountains in the bottom of a canyon the buttes and plateaus of the inter-canyon region are composed of shales sandstones and limestones which give rise to vast architectural shelving and to pinnacles and towers of gigantic proportions the whole embossed with a marvelously minute system of fretwork carved by the artistic clouds looking beyond these mountains buttes and plateaus vistas of the walls of the great plateau are seen from these walls project salients and deep re-entrant angles appear the whole scene is forever reminding you of mighty architectural pinnacles and towers and balustrades and arches and columns with latticework and delicate carving all of these architectural features are sublime by titanic painting in varied hues pink red brown lavender gray blue and black in some lights the saffron prevails in other lights vermilion and yet in other lights the grays and blacks predominate at times and perhaps in rare seasons clouds and cloudlets form in the canyon below and wander among the side canyons and float higher and higher until they are dissolved in the upper air or perhaps they accumulate to hide great portions of the landscape then through rifts in the clouds vistas of wonderland are seen such is that portion of the canyon around the great south bend of the colorado river past the point of the kaibab plateau as seen by the geologist 
in the last chapter of my book entitled the canyons of the colorado i have described the grand canyon in the following terms the grand canyon is a gorge two hundred and seventeen miles in length through which flows a great river with many storm-born tributaries it has a winding way as rivers are wont to have its banks are vast structures of adamant piled up in forms rarely seen in the mountains down by the river the walls are composed of black nice slates and schists all greatly implicated and traversed by dikes of granite let this formation be called the black gneiss it is usually about eight hundred feet in thickness then over the black gneiss are found eight hundred feet of quartzites usually in very thin beds of many colors but exceedingly hard and ringing under the hammer like phonolite these beds are dipping and unconformable with the rocks above while they make but eight hundred feet of the wall or less they have a geologic thickness of twelve thousand feet set up a row of books aslant it is ten inches from the shelf to the top of the line of books but there may be three feet of the books measured directly through the leaves so these quartzites are aslant and though of great geologic thickness they make but eight hundred feet of the wall your books may have many colored bindings and differ greatly in their contents so these quartzites vary greatly from place to place along the wall and in many places they entirely disappear let us call these formation the variegated quartzite above the quartzites there are five hundred feet of sandstones they are of a greenish hue but are mottled with spots of brown and black by iron stains they usually stand in a broad cliff weathered in alcoves let this formation be called the cliff sandstone above the cliff sandstone there are seven hundred feet of bedded sandstones and limestones which are massive sometimes and sometimes broken into thin strata these rocks are often weathered in deep alcoves let this formation be called the alcove sandstone over the alcove sandstone there are sixteen hundred feet of limestone in many places a beautiful marble as in marble canyon as it appears along the grand canyon it is always stained a brilliant red for immediately over it there are thin seams of iron and the storms have painted these limestones with pigments from above altogether this is the red wall group it is chiefly limestone let it be called the red wall limestone above the red wall there are eight hundred feet of gray and bright red sandstone alternating in beds that look like vast ribbons of landscape let it be called the banded sandstone and over all at the top of the wall is the obrey limestone a thousand feet in thickness this obrey has much gypsum in it great beds of alabaster that are pure white in comparison with the great body of limestone below in the same limestone there are enormous beds of chert agates and carnelians this limestone is especially remarkable for its pinnacles and towers let it be called the tower limestone 
these are the elements with which the walls are constructed from black buttress below to alabaster tower above all of these elements weather in different forms and are painted in different colors so that the wall presents a highly complex facade a wall of homogeneous granite like that in the yosemite is but a naked wall whether it be a thousand or five thousand feet high hundreds and thousands of feet mean nothing to the eye when they stand in a meaningless front a mountain covered by pure snow ten thousand feet high has but little more effect on the imagination than a mountain of snow a thousand feet high it is but more of the same thing but a facade of seven systems of rock has its sublimity multiplied sevenfold consider next the horizontal elements of the grand canyon the river meanders in great curves which are themselves broken into curves of smaller magnitude the streams that head far back in the plateau on either side come down in gorges and break the wall into sections each lateral canyon has a secondary system of laterals and the secondary canyons are broken by tertiary canyons so the crags are forever branching like the limbs of an oak that which has been described as a wall is such only in its grand effect in detail it is a series of structures separated by a ramification of canyons each having its own walls thus in passing down the canyon it seems to be enclosed by walls but oftener by salients towering structures that stand between canyons that run back into the plateau sometimes gorges of the second or third order have met before reaching the brink of the grand canyon and then great salients are cut off from the wall and stand out as buttes huge pavilions in the architecture of the canyon the scenic elements thus described are fused and combined in very different ways its length we measured the length of the grand canyon by the length of the river running through it but the running extent of wall cannot be measured in this manner in the black gneiss which is at the bottom the wall may stand above the river for a few hundred yards or a mile or two then to follow the foot of the wall you must pass into a lateral canyon for a good distance perhaps miles and then back again on the other side of the lateral canyon then along by the river until another lateral canyon is reached which must be headed in the black gneiss so for a dozen miles of river through the gneiss there may be a hundred miles of wall on either side climbing to the summit of the black gneiss and following the wall in the variegated quartzite it is found to be stretched out to a still greater length for it is cut with more lateral gorges in like manner there is yet greater length of the mottled or alcove sandstone wall and the red wall is still farther stretched out in ever branching gorges to make the distance for ten miles along the river by walking along the top of the red wall it would be necessary to travel several hundred miles the length of the wall reaches its maximum in the banded sandstone which is terraced more than any of the other formations the tower limestone wall is less tortuous 
to start at the head of the grand canyon on one of the terraces of the banded sandstone and follow it to the foot of the grand canyon which by river is a distance of two hundred and seventeen miles it would be necessary to travel many thousand miles by the winding way that is the banded wall is many thousand miles in length as seen traveling downstream for eight or ten miles below the mouth of the little colorado the river is in the variegated quartzites and a wonderful fretwork of forms and colors peculiar to this rock stretches back for miles to a labyrinth of the red wall cliff then below the black gneiss is entered and soon has reached an altitude of eight hundred feet and sometimes more than a thousand feet and upon this black gneiss all the other structures in their wonderful colors are lifted these continue for about seventy miles when the black gneiss below is lost for the walls are dropped down by the west kaibab fault and the river flows in the quartzites then for eighty miles the mottled or alcove sandstones are found in the river bed the course of the canyon is a little south of west and is comparatively straight at the top of the red wall limestone there is a broad terrace two or three miles in width composed of hills of wonderful forms carved in the banded beds and back of this is seen a cliff in the tower limestone along the lower course of this stretch the whole character of the canyon is changed by another set of complicating conditions we have now reached a region of volcanic activity after the canyons were cut nearly to their present depth lavas poured out and volcanoes were built on the walls of the canyon but not in the canyon itself though at places rivers of molten rock rolled down the walls into the colorado the canyon for the next eighty miles is a compound of that found where the river is in the black gneiss and that found where the dead volcanoes stand on the brink of the wall in the first stretch where the gneiss is at the foundation we have a great bend to the south and in the last stretch where the gneiss is below and the dead volcanoes above another great southern detour is found these two great beds are separated by eighty miles of comparatively straight river let us call this first great bend the kaibab reach of the canyon and the straight part of the kanab reach for the kanab creek heads far off in the plateau to the north and joins the colorado at the beginning of the middle stretch the third great southern bend is the shivet stretch thus there are three distinct portions of the grand canyon the kaibab section characterized more by its buttes and salients the kanab section characterized by its comparatively straight walls with volcanoes on the brink and the shiwet section which is broken into great terraces with gneiss at the bottom and volcanoes at the top the work of erosion the erosion represented in the canyon although vast is but a small part of the great erosion of the region for between the cliffs blocks have been carried away far superior in magnitude to those necessary to fill the canyon 
probably there is no portion of the whole region from which there have not been more than a thousand feet degraded and there are districts from which more than thirty thousand feet of rock have been carried away altogether there is a district of country more than two hundred thousand square miles in extent from which on the average more than six thousand feet have been eroded consider a rock two hundred thousand square miles in extent and a mile in thickness against which the clouds have hurled their storms and beat it into sands and the rills have carried the sands into the creeks and the creeks have carried them into the rivers and the colorado has carried them into the sea we think of the mountains as forming clouds above their brows but the clouds have formed the mountains great continental blocks are upheaved from beneath the sea by internal geologic forces that fashion the earth then the wandering clouds the tempest-bearing clouds the rainbow-decked clouds with mighty power and with wonderful skill carve out valleys and canyons and fashion hills and cliffs and mountains the clouds are the artist's sublime winter and cloud effects in winter some of the characteristics of the grand canyon are emphasized the black gneiss below the variegated quartzite and the green or alcove sandstone form the foundation for the mighty red wall the banded sandstone entablature is crowned by the tower limestone in winter this is covered with snow seen from below these changing elements seem to graduate into the heavens and no plane of demarcation between wall and blue firmament can be seen the heavens constitute a portion of the facade and mount into a vast dome from wall to wall spanning the grand canyon with empyrean blue so the earth and the heavens are blended in one vast structure when the clouds play in the canyon as they often do in the rainy season another set of effects is produced clouds creep out of canyons and wind into other canyons the heavens seem to be alive not moving as move the heavens over a plain in one direction with the wind but following the multiplied courses of these gorges in this manner the little clouds seem to be individualized to have wills and souls of their own and to be going on diverse errands a vast assemblage of self-willed clouds faring here and there intent upon purposes hidden in their own breasts in imagination the clouds belong to the sky and when they are in the canyon the skies come down into the gorges and cling to the cliffs and lift them up to immeasurable heights for the sky must still be far away thus they lend infinity to the walls you cannot see the grand canyon in one view as if it were a changeless spectacle from which a curtain might be lifted but to see it you have to toil from month to month through its labyrinths it is a region more difficult to traverse than the alps or the himalayas but if strength and courage are sufficient for the task by a year's toil a concept of sublimity can be obtained never again to be equalled on the hither side of paradise End of chapter two